To answer is human. To question is divine. Welcome to the world of the Hidden Gateway, an exhilarating podcast exploring the concepts humans have been struggling with since the dawn of existence, such as, who are we? Is there such a thing as good and evil, or are they arbitrary constructs? Does the paranormal exist? How can we evolve to a higher state? Can our mind influence what we term as reality? Providing a transcendental approach, combined with hard-nosed humanistic analysis, we invite you on a journey to question your worldview in this theater of life. Join our host, Justin Williams, as he explores the outer realms of faith, the supernatural, human potential, and even our concepts of the universal creator with a fascinating array of guests. This is the unseen world, magical, mysterious, and mystical, where your only limitation is your imagination. This is The Hidden Gateway. Welcome to another episode of The Hidden Gateway Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Williams, and today's guest is Christian Elliott. Christian is a certified personal trainer, life and nutrition coach who is also holds a Bachelor of Science in Communications from Calvin College and a Master of Divinity from Fuller Theological Seminary. Christian has been a coach since 2003, logging well over 15 hours of one-on-one coaching. He is also an author, speaker, and educator. Simply put, he helps people get healthy, become more confident, and unleash potential that lies within. Christian, how are you doing today, man? Great. Thanks for having me. All right, man. Thanks for being on the Hidden Gateway podcast. So, um, you know, I told a little bit about you, man. If you could just take a few minutes to tell our audience a little bit more about yourself. Who is Christian? Well, um, well I guess to you, you mentioned I had 15 hours. It's actually about 15,000, probably close to 20,000 hours of oh, I'm personal sorry. coaching. But <laughs> yeah, definitely not 15. Yeah, 15, a little more okay. than 15. Let's, so. let's get it right. Let's yeah. get it right. 15,000, so, my bad. <laughs> yeah, no big deal. But yeah, so I've been uh, basically a full-time coach, you know, started part-time 2003, full-time 2005. And I have been endlessly fascinated with what does it legitimately take to create a breakthrough, to change someone's lifestyle, to deliver a transformation. Because that's really what happened to me in 2003. My health was kind of falling apart. I had to get outside the medical realm and find people who knew how to put their health back together. And it blew my mind how much I did not know and how many other ways there were to approach health and how capable the body is of healing. And when I had that transformation, I thought, gee whiz, I would love to be able to do that for other people. I took kind of my speaking background and academic background of, you know, I kind of have a pastor's heart behind the the responsibility to help other people shepherd their health and to use whatever skills and talents they have for this world to not let their health be a tripping point for that. So um, I, really, I've just been fascinated with that question of how do we get people to create a breakthrough in them? And originally, my thinking was, it's really about the tactics of health. It's about sleeping and exercising and finding the right exercise and having the perfect diet and optimizing half a dozen things that we all know we need to do. And the more I got into it, the more I realized this is just a little part of the puzzle. Humans are messy and complicated and we have emotions and we sometimes don't want to do what we're supposed to do. And then there's this weird puzzle called context. Like what life are you living? Where are you from? How many responsibilities do you have? How many kids do you have? What kind of work do you do? How old are you? What's your past? And all of that really gets wrapped into the experience of helping someone change their health. And so 
that's really the journey we've been on just professionally, slowly adding more and more to our, our program. We solve one problem, like, well, now here's the next one. And we go and solve that. And it just became this stack of innovations or of different elements of the puzzle that is a whole human. And from that, we um, just kind of built a, a personal coaching business. We were brick and mortar for about nine years and then roughly four years ago, transitioned to just exclusively virtual coaching. And so that's probably a very quick flyover of the last 16, 17 years, I guess. Excellent, man. Yeah. Uh, the true whole human, um, very unique in what you do. And and you, you repeatedly said we, so uh, your wife, correct? Your business correct. partner? Yeah, my wife and I are, are the ones that basically run the show. She, right. ha- she hogs most of the personality and uh, <laughs> I'm okay with that. All right. All right. Yeah. Checking out the website, man. I, I see obviously a, a focus on the physical, but, uh, I saw mental and emotional as well, man, and personality. You, you dive into that. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, the, it, it's funny because different people highlight different parts of what we do. And I, the longer I have done this, the more I realized how inseparable they all are. Like Your physical health has an impact on your mood. Your physical health has an impact on your ability to stay positive. And if you try to just willpower your way through it, I'm going to be positive, but you're not rested or you're not hydrated, they're all tied together. And so we realized that the mind and emotions is such a central part of um, the, the ability to change. If you want to change your health and your thoughts are constantly negative, or you have a self image that says, I can't, I don't, I won't, I always, I never. And it's just clouded by a lot of absolute statements where you paint yourself into a corner where change is not possible. We have a problem. You're not going to change. And part of what helps someone change is recognizing there's base human nature. There's the longings that we all have of romance and significance and adventure and dignity and validation and so on. But then there's the person specific, what has life thrown at you manifestations of how you've come to get to be the age you are and you've handled the inevitable blows of life. And part of that becomes the personality or the habits you fall into. And over our time doing this, we've had the privilege of work with several hundred people at pretty good depth. And what we've realized is there's kind of different trends. There's fairly predictable ways that we handle stress or trauma or I don't feel like it or whatever the roadblock is. And there's strengths that we bring to the table that can be leveraged, but a strength typically has a reciprocal weakness if we just focus on our strength. And so part of the work we do is just, you know, it takes me three, four, five sessions sometimes just to really start to feel like, oh, I know this person. I I can start to have a really good guess of like, here's how they're going to respond. Sometimes it's faster than that, but usually it's like, I just need to spend enough time with you to understand the mindset, the emotional state you're in and the personality or the kind of the strengths and what we call a shadow side that you're going to bring to the equation of solving the puzzle that is your health and thus set yourself up for the life you actually want. Very good. Now, obviously, there's been a lot going on in this world uh, over the last year and a half. And I can imagine that um, you when when coaching people, you you that that obviously comes up. People maybe have fear, fear, overwhelming, et cetera. But just to set that aside for a minute, what are some of the most common issues you discover when coaching your clients? I, I imagine it's not one thing specifically, but is there something that repeatedly comes up from time to time that you say, yeah, oh, Sure. There are several, I mean, it depends on which lane you're talking about. If you're talking about just the mind and emotions and the drive to do well, there's a handful of predictable things similar to the, you know, base level predictable things with physiology and so on. But I guess just to pick the 
the mind first, one of the most common things is kind of a feeling of a lack of purpose and a, a realization that I'm, I'm just floundering or I can't sink my teeth into any way that eating better or exercising or getting to bed on time or you know, pick the habit tangibly makes me picture a much better life. And so without this anchor of I'm doing this because it's worth that outcome, whatever that is in that person's life, that that feeling of just kind of menial duty, like I have, I should exercise because I'm supposed to, mm-hmm. and a, a, a disciplined person goes to bed on time and doesn't hit the snooze button. Like, well, there's a purpose vacuum there. You you don't have an image of what life you really want and, a, and or a belief that it's really possible. And void of having a frame of reference that says, yeah, someone like me could achieve that. And humans are, we're so predictable. We're so wired for achievement. We want to be fueled with the feeling that I'm moving forward, that I'm working at a meaningful goal. And if you don't like the word goal, then it's called a project or something that just is intrinsically interesting and feels like it's worth your time. And if exercise and nutrition and hydration and sleep and so on fit into that puzzle and you're like, yes, I'm going to practice these habits and protect them because of the life that will let me live. Now you're fueling it with a sense of purpose. So, and you know, you flip it different ways. Do you want me to talk kind of about the, some of the predictable patterns with nutrition or health as well? Or yeah, yeah? absolutely. Yeah. Please okay. Do. So in the nutritional sense, it, it can be, any number of things, but I mean, sleep obviously being an important one, you can't, there's nothing else in the world you can do to make up for not sleeping. You can't drink more water, have a super positive mindset, exercise your way out of not sleeping. You have to sleep, right? So sometimes it's it's figuring out what is preventing this person from being able to get to bed. Do they have a play deficiency? They're just, they don't do anything fun in their day and they feel like they never have a moment. And so the only place to squeeze it into is the end of the day, you stay up late and you binge on Netflix or you just scroll on social media just to check out and have time to yourself. Um, there's an ache there. There's a, I, I didn't get to do something. I didn't play. I didn't, you're back to the mental part, right? Um, on, a, on a more purely physical level, sometimes it's as simple as nutrient deficiencies, right? You're, you, simple examples, you're, you know, depression or anxiety or just an ability to feel clear headed can be a fat deficiency. It can be, you know, uh, postpartum depression to oversimplify can be a zinc deficiency or um, even seasonal allergies can just be an, an instance where your immune system has not quite empowered with the resources it needs to fight. And one of the places we find the most traction helping people get their health back on track is simply starting with their digestion. It's not such an overlooked part of health. Yes, you can is. you can have the cleanest diet in the world, but if you can't absorb what you're eating, they won't matter. And then there's the will to stick with it long enough. And that comes back to, well, yeah, but it didn't happen as fast as I wanted to. And it's, oh, guys, it's been two weeks and I still don't feel better. And I still, like, yeah, that's, that's the gig. And that's the emotional part that we can't separate out. But the simple things of cleaning up your gut health and of figuring out, how to get yourself to drink water and of figuring out how to get yourself in, into bed on time um, using movement medicinally rather than just out of sheer duty or um, exercising into oblivion with the same mo- movement patterns and thinking that it has to be cardio. That's what's going to get this weight off. There's so many different ways that exercise and movement can be enjoyable. And so sometimes it's breaking the perception of what it takes to actually change. We have rescued a lot of people from, Weight Watchers and veganism and all sorts of other isms that are just, they have little kickstarts they get you going, but they're not anything sustainable and um, end up just creating other problems and why can't I get my act together feelings. And so, yeah, there's, there's several more I could point to, but those are ones off the top of my head. 
Now, some of the issues can also be hormone related as well, right? I know mm-hmm. I've talked to people in the past, whether it be guys, where they their their bodies for whatever reason aren't producing enough testosterone, or even women, their estrogen levels are low. Do you run across that from time to time, where you have to refer them out to see a um, uh, endocrinologist? Possibly. So the way we work, we don't treat any health condition. Our approach is to say, what does the body need in order to function optimally? And then we just say, how many different ways can we help the body create all the space it needs and give it the nourishment, give it the stress reduction, give it the sleep, whatever it takes to do that. So the the hierarchy, kind of the way that we think about it, you have to have, from we'll start with nutrition because that's the easiest way to, to imagine this, but from to heal the, the hormonal level, you have to start with good food. If your food is such that it disrupts your hormones and your blood sugar is wildly unstable, or you have big gaps in when you eat, or you're poisoning yourself with the endless array of, I think there's like 16,000 chemicals used in today's food, 1,000 or more come from coal tar. Good. If you're just poisoning your body with chemicals that disrupt your hormones, we're going to have a problem. So sometimes it's clearing the junk and stabilizing the blood sugar. So we, we start with nutritious food is kind of the foundation. You have to have nutritious food. The next layer up is a healthy, efficient gut. If you're not digesting your food, it's not getting out into the body to nourish it. From there, we actually can then focus on stable blood sugar. If you have stabilized your blood sugar on top of a gut that works and a nutrition foundation, nine times out of 10, the hormones sort themselves out. You have to but it's methodical to go through those steps to say, here's how we're going to work to engineer the balance in the body such that the hormones are not constantly playing whack-a-mole. Like we don't have enough. There's no nutrition for this. We don't even have the resources to make this hormone. We're never stimulated to make this hormone because we're constantly managing this blood sugar crisis. And when you can calm that system down and the endocrine system isn't reacting all day to a fire, five alarm fire, and it just can have the time for those glands that produce the hormones to heal. And, or if you stimulate the body to give it reasons to make, like I said something to a client once I said, we were talking, we were talking about testosterone. I said, uh, he made a comment about feeling manly. And I said, you know, the way to feel manly is to go do manly things, go pick up heavy stuff, go move, go. <laughs> go punch something, go help your friend do something, get, give, make a big decision. You'll feel manly because you did something manly. If you want to make more testosterone, go move heavy stuff, go do something aggressive. That's cathartic. That makes you feel like, ah, oh, yeah, I just did the thing that stimulates your body to go, make testosterone or HGH or whatever the other hormones are that you that keep you young and feeling on top of the world, you have to create the scenario for your body to actually need to do that. Um, there's very few hormones that we can actually tell the body to make. But there's some, there's ways we can get in its way. Like you can't tell your body, okay, start making melatonin because I'm going to take a nap in an hour. Like <laughs> it, you, you, you create the environment or you exert yourself such that it's crawls to bed. It's so ready to go to sleep. It doesn't want to stay up. You, eat the right way so that your blood sugar is not all over the board and you're spiking and crashing all day and your endocrine system hums, right? So some of it's, there's there's your waypoint into managing your whole endocrine system from my perspective is to manage your blood sugar and then do the things that make you feel alive. Like your hormones know how to respond to that stimulus. If you're not constantly barraging them with things in you and on you, topical lotions, makeup, whatever that can, that are full of endocrine disrupting chemicals that make it hard for your body to do its thing. So that it, it, if none of that works so far, we haven't got to that point, but if none of that works, <laughs> then we can say, okay, let's, let's get, let's get a blood test. Let's get some other Intel of what's going on inside the body. But usually, I mean, even if you get a great blood test they come back and say, X, Y, Z hormone is not where it should be. 
okay, what do we do with that? Their option is just give you one. Right. Or we could go clear the obstacles that's keeping your body from doing it. At the end of the day, it always comes back to the same basics of the fundamentals of health, the biological laws that we cannot fight, that we have to practice, and our the health we do or do not enjoy is directly tied to how good we are at the basic habits that we all have to practice. Great, man. Hey, you know, you have all this this a great amount of energy, man. You're, you're just it's good, positive <laughs> energy, I feel, coming through, man. What keeps you motivated, man? I mean, you've been doing this for, what, about 18 years now since 03? And so what does it for you day in and day out to keep going, to keep pressing, to keep just keep going hard like that, man? What What is it? Yeah, you, I, it's, it's, I guess it's a few things. There's now, you know, like any of us, you live long enough, life's going to come at you and and hit you hard. And there's none of us, I don't think it's a, get a free pass from struggle, but it's, it's sometimes in the moments of difficulty where you find your character. Yeah. And when I think any, any human, there's going to be a point in their life where they, they hit a pivot point. They can go down the trajectory of bitter and jaded and mad at the world, or they can become softer and kinder and a non-anxious presence who's full of life. And you realize life's short and the different narratives we tell ourselves are what determines whether or not we're going to be happy. We are constantly filling narrative gaps all day about what this means and what that means. And you can fill them with, I'm bad, I'm terrible, this is never going to work. Or you can flip that and be like, says who? Why, why does it have to be that way? So some of it is, is a learned, just like you work out your muscles, you work out your mindset to say, no, I, I choose not to see this in a negative light. And I'm going to find the reason to be hopeful in this situation. I'm going to find what can be done. Um, so on a kind of a, I don't know, a philosophical or just practical mindset exercise level that's part of it but i mean what really drives me is i got i got five kids i've got a beautiful (laughs) wife i've got very meaningful work i show up to work every day knowing that i'm doing deep work helping people change their life and that it's so rewarding to go to sleep the next at night and be like gosh i really helped somebody today It, it every human i think needs that and if you spend enough time listening to smart people, you start to sound smart. If you spend enough time helping people, you start to enjoy the benefits of helping people. And I think humans are at our best when we are fueled with a sense that what I do matters, who I'm talking to is is helped by that. My time was appreciated. And uh, I, I get the opportunity to show up for the most important people in my life, the better I get at um, practicing my craft. And so it, it's, it's fun work and it's not, um, you know, not without struggle to, to become a little more unflappable. Um, but yeah, I am ridiculously difficult to discourage. It takes way more than you probably could throw at me <laughs> to get me down. Now, Cause I, I, I refuse to live in a negative headspace and to not see what's possible in whatever mess or challenge comes my way. Excellent, man. I love it. What I'm hearing from you is um, it, it all starts in the mind, you know, that that we all have a choice to kind of dictate or manifest how we want to perceive things. And I, I hear some uh, some gratitude in there as well when you speak about your your wife and your children and the people that you get to get to help every day. So mm-hmm. that, that's excellent, my friend. Excellent. Thanks. Um, and the next question for you, Christian, is. Uh, He's talked about, uh, you know, veganism, right? Um, people are, are, you know, I don't want to call it a fad or anything like that, but it's people who strongly support it. They live the lifestyle as well as plant-based diet. Um, doesn't sound like you're a, a fan, of, fan of it. Am I correct? That is correct, yes. Tell me yeah. about it. Well, yeah. So um, I think perhaps in an ideal world, 
you know, I come from a Christian background. So perhaps before the fall, before, you know, sin enters the world and messes things up, that that was probably the original intent, the original design. Um, but I don't think we live in that world anymore. I think the human physiology is such that um, there are certain needs that we get that are almost exclusively found in animal products. And um, I, I've, I could count on probably need two hands for it now, the number of people we've taken who were kind of at their wits end. They had tried so many different things and gone down the rabbit hole and, and ended up on, okay, I'm going to eat only plants. And what they failed to or what, what, what eventually comes of it is this isn't working either. And, and we start to put back nutritious, nutritionally dense animal foods. And I don't mean, I, I, everything that most people who gravitate toward a, you know, a plant-based diet prefer, or the, they don't like about how animals are raised. I'm right there with you. Like the, it's deplorable. Some of the, the confined animal feeding operations and the way that we have manipulated nature to so, so many different ways and made that industry, um, repulsive on a lot of levels, but to throw the baby out of the bathwater, that doesn't make sense to me. And, and so I, I actually wrote, there's an article on my blog, uh, why I don't recommend plant-based diet. But part of what I do in there is, is I had the recognition many years ago that, you know, I'm studying nutrition back and forth and I'm, I'm vacillating between these different theories that are completely contradictory to each other. And it usually it just becomes this battle of the sciences. I have the science and they have that science and my science is better than yours. And you never get anywhere with that. And so instead of having this battle of the, yeah, but this study and yeah, but that, I just said, okay, can we zoom out? Like what is human nutrition historically? And found found the work of Weston A. Price and found, gee whiz, he went to 14 different indigenous people groups in five continents looking, trying to find a all plant-based society. Couldn't find one. But what he found was robustly healthy people who had a really wide variety of how they ate. There's some people who, ate, you know, 30% animal products and the, uh, you know, the Inuit ate almost exclusively animal products. The Maasai in Africa ate almost exclusively animal products. Lions are afraid of these people. Like they are, <laughs> they're some of the healthiest people in the world. Wow. Long lived, super great dental arches, robust, thick skeletons. Yes. And they were almost exclusively animal products. And so to recognize that there's all, there still exists. There's different populations all over the globe that on their indigenous diet are robust in their health. And to know that there, there's a wide variety, like the closer you live to the poles, there's not as much plant-based stuff to eat. So you have to find something. The closer you get to the equator, the more you can get by with plants. Another facet that a lot of vegans or vegetarians don't quite understand is that plants bite back. Just because a plant cannot run away from you does not mean it wants to be eaten. And hmm. plants over time have developed all sorts of protective mechanisms, grains, especially grains, seeds, nuts, uh, legumes, they have found a way to make it hard for the microbial virome, the uh, bi microbiome in the air to not digest them. All the bacteria and fungus and yeast and mold, et cetera, that is in the air cannot eat them. You can find grains in the pyramid. There really? are grains, the grains that have lasted for hundreds of years and nothing could penetrate that. And what traditional cultures realize is, yes, we can eat and digest some of these things, but we have to figure out how to prepare them. We have to figure out how to neutralize a lot of what to us is an anti-nutrient. We can't process lectins and pectins and phytic acid and oxalic acid and things. It's, it's detrimental to our health. But some kale is a great darling of nutritional pop culture has been propped up as this superfood. If you eat a bunch of raw kale, you will have all sorts of digestive woes. Like It is not a food in its raw state. Wow. Uh, but you can be prepared. And so, so much of what's happened 
with industrial digestion, if you will, of the, this process of using outsourcing, processing our food to machinery, is that we have taken what was once a healthy food prepared in a traditional way, cultured, fermented, prepared in, with heat and, and whatnot, and we have just crushed it and powdered it and turned it into, well, science says that this grain, this kale, this broccoli, this Brussels sprout is healthy. It has XYZ nutrient. Yeah, but it also has a bunch of other stuff in it that can wreck your gut and make it really hard to get the nutrition out of it if you don't know how to prepare it. And so many people who gravitate toward a plant-based diet, just I just talked to a client this morning who could not handle, she realized that broccoli and Brussels sprouts and kale were blowing up her gut. She just went through a fast and now she's learned how to parboil them, how to prepare them in a new way, how to put fat with them. And she's fine with it. Right. Wow. So I, th there's there's several layers to it. it. Just human digestion, our our digestive tract matches much more closely that of a carnivore than it does an herbivore. There's different physiology and different variations of herbivores and carnivores. But the point is, it, I can't digest cellulose. I don't have four stomachs like a cow. I can't. There's no way I can turn that into protein. But the cow can, right. and and I can eat the cow. So um, anyway, there's as you can imagine, probably plenty more I could talk about there. But those are some. <laughs> Um, top of my head thoughts when it comes to why well, I just, I can't in good conscience recommend a plant-based diet to somebody other than as a short-term cleanse. It's a plants are fabulous mops and brooms and they're a great medicine cabinet, but they are not bricks and mortar. You cannot build a healthy long-term human engine in my opinion on a plant-based diet. Got it. Got it. Well said. You know, you mentioned your, your blog on your website a few minutes ago, which I had the opportunity to check out. Very good, man. You had some phenomenal articles on there. And one that really caught my attention was uh, five ways to reduce toxic burden. Mm -hmm. uh, one, get high, get a high quality water, water filter for your drinking water, get a filter for your shower, upgrade your personal hygiene products, upgrade your household cleaning products, and think about what you can do to get off medications. So t tell me a little bit about that. I, I've, over the years, I've heard of, you know, fluoride being in the water. Is that the purpose of uh, getting the, uh, filters for the, for the uh, shower as well as the uh, drinking water? Yeah, it, it's fluoride and a lot more things. So there, unfortunately, fluoride was sold to us as a bag of goods that it's going to be great for our health. It's, it's one of the most toxic things that we have come into our body. I, I found one scientist who said it causes more cancer and causes them faster than anything else he knew of. He's a mm. cancer doctor at the NIH. So that fluoride would be one thing. It, there's the pharmaceutical drugs that end up in the water, the who knows what amount of chlorine or other um, depending on where you are, there could even be microbial stuff in your water. That's why um, a good carbon filter, at, at the least, you go on a backpacking trip, at least have a carbon filter. You can filter that stuff out. But yeah, whatever gets in you, um, th there can be so many endocrine disruptors. Or if you're just drinking water that has been chlorinated, you're basically drinking low levels of antibiotics that can just wreak havoc on your gut balance. Yeah. So same thing with your skin. You're, if, if we were to zoom in on your skin with a right microscope, you'd see it. You're just covered in microbes. It, every inch of you inside and out is covered with them. And when you, most of them are almost exclusively good for your health. And when you bathe in chlorinated water, you're essentially putting low levels of antibiotics on your body or especially if you like a hot shower like I do, you're, you're opening up your pores and whatever's in the water, your skin becomes the filter. Better for you to have a filter than be a filter. So um, that was the water. What were the other ones on there that you wanted to uh, personal hygiene products, household cleaning products. Yeah, as well. same, same thing. Yeah. yeah. So the personal hygiene products, if there's a website you can go to, ewg.org, the Environmental Working Group, they have a cosmetic database with tens of thousands of different 
products they've put in there and they, they basically just have the ingredients and then they come up with a toxicity rating. But so many of the products, I mean, there's hardly one you can pick up these days where you're like, what is in this? It's a paragraph worth of gibberish scientific languages and they make chemicals so fast you can't even keep up with them. And then once we figure out what they are, they change the names of them. BHT is, is a fun one. They just recently changed that, I think, to mm-hmm. rosemary extract. Like, clever guys. but Really? Um, Right. So they're, they're, the labor that your, your best bet is how close to nature can I get? Like, can I, like my wife and I haven't gotten there yet, but we're pretty picky. Like I use a tie stone. It's a rock basically for deodorant instead of, oh uh, yeah, yeah. there's so many different things. You can just, any chemical burden you can offload from your body in terms of what you put in your skin or what you put on you um, will greatly reduce your has, has a potential to reduce your toxic burden. Um, had a client recently just overcome allergies, which by getting rid of makeup and taking a couple supplements that are great for allergies. Um, so cleaning up her diet. So much of the stuff we wrestle with is just, if you picture a bucket that's kind of getting near the brim with the amount of toxins it can hold before symptoms manifest. So many of us are just walking around with a, a bucket that's just ready to overflow. And in, that overflow is into our bodies and it's just constant whack-a-mole the immune system's on high alert all the time because there's an influx of chemicals especially if your gut lining is porous and then you what you and your lipstick that you swallow when you eat something goes into your gut and Hmm. into your blood like that those kind of things happen and then there's several things that um you either take from a medication perspective that can literally obliterate the tight junctions between your cells the cells should have a nice integrity of ability to the liver cells stay together and know to be a liver or the lining of your intestine knows to stay tight and protect itself. Cause that intestine, your, your tube from your mouth to anus is really, it's technically outside your body. It's the stuff that your body gets, should be able to decide what gets to leave that tube and enter the body and what should just be uh, on its way to the exit. And if that tube is porous anywhere and think some things like medications, alcohol being another one, will just explode the tight junctions between your cells. And then when that happens, the immune system is your last line of defense. It has to come in, cordon off the area. It creates inflammation and swelling. And you feel that bloated, distended lethargy or whatever other symptoms, depending on what toxins you're ingesting, where it's happening in your gut, where they go. Like any number of symptoms can come from a gut problem. And it might be self-inflicted from either the medications you're taking or the personal care products or the household cleaners that you're ta- or the water you're drinking with things in it that could have been filtered. Um, that can create some of those problems. So th- those are just low-hanging fruit. Often it's one of the first things we assess when we take on a new client is where can we reduce body burden? And often that kickstarts weight loss. We haven't even got to the diet part yet. So um, that's, yeah, there's plenty of different ways that you're um, reducing your toxic burden can be a big windfall for your health. I can imagine a lot of those toxins can lead to disease as well, multiple sclerosis, Crohn's disease, all types of autoimmune issues as well too, yes? Yeah, yeah. And we, we live, I mean, since, you know, 1906 was the Pure Food and Drug Act. And at that point, the idea was shortly after that, better living through chemistry. Like they sold us the idea that tinkering with nature and making molecules that have never existed before in all of human history was going to make our life better. It, great. It allowed me and you to talk over a computer in different states. Fantastic. But it's also had a, there's also a trade-off. There's also We've made last estimate I knew it was like eighty five thousand different synthetic, as in new to nature molecules, never existed before, and we interactively live with them all day. There's EWG, the Environmental Working Group, did a study of umbilical cord blood and found over two hundred pollutants inside the blood that is in newborn babies. They're, they're we're swimming in toxic soup from birth to death, and 
if you just look at the charts of disease as they have gone up, especially since the 1970s, interesting when, interestingly, when glyphosate came on the screen on the scene, um, that uptick in chronic disease, you can just correlate to the overall uptick in body burden that we all experience. The, you, know, you know, the older generation had less, the, the, the younger you are, the more you're born into a world that is more toxic, more polluted than what used to exist. Cause there's the, the chemicals that we make do not have to be proven safe, which is great if you're in business, but not so great if you're a consumer, they have to be proven unsafe, which is really hard to do. So unless it's a gross negligence or Monsanto has actually got a lot of bear. Now the bear, a drug company bought a, seed company what's going on oh um, yeah right, right but right. they have been taken to court and they've been sued like crazy for some of the damages non-hodgkin's lymphoma in particular for right. the yeah. what glyphosate the active ingredient in roundup what for the damage it has done uh and the lives it has wrecked and they recently tried to get a whole boatload of lawsuits dismissed and the judge said nope you're going to go to court for all these and so it'll be interesting to see what happens but that is the as far as i know the most ubiquitous to the tune of billions, I think four or five billion pounds of glyphosate dumped on this planet every year, and it's water soluble, which means it can it dissolves in it rains, it gets evaporated, and it shows up in our rain. We are con all of us have every single person on the planet has glyphosate in them, and so that is one thing that massively blows apart the tight junctions in your intestines. So, it the more you can minimize or learn how to. Um, empower your body to resist this stuff where you can um, help it heal the the better health you're going to enjoy. So in your opinion, why are these toxins allowed to be put into these products? Is it strictly for the, for the mighty dollar that these big corporations earn year in, year out, or is it, is it something, something else? Is, is there, what's going on? Why? Yeah, they I, have to know, right. They, they, everything you said, they have to be aware of, I would think. Yeah. There, so there's, I think, I think it's, I, you know, the Jurassic Park line from many years ago stands out to me. Like we were in such a hurry to see if we could, we didn't stop to think if we should. I think a lot of the chemicals we tinker with in nature, we just made them because like, wow, look what this does. This is super sticky or this lets me transmit waves through the air or whatever the thing like. And we just, this makes your food taste like a strawberry, even though there's no strawberry in it or whatever the things we made. And so it was just like, wow, look what we can do. Often, I think without the, should we be doing like, what's the long-term consequence of this? And then once you have an industry behind that, once you're making a lot of money, then you have to be like, no, there's no way that could possibly be for us. That's not. <laughs> right. And so you're, you're protective of profits and industry and greed and business take over. And that becomes an indefensible position, but it becomes the burden of proof is on the public or on scientists. Well, somebody has to pay for that science. Who's going to do that to figure out that this, no, this actually is bad for us. Like we know that certain food additives interact synergistically to produce nerve damage, but that's really tough to definitively take to court and pay the lawyers to do it and then fight the EPA and the big business with. So I, my perspective is that, you know, the, the corporations basically run the world. They have because he who has the money makes the rules. You want to buy your votes, you buy your votes. And that's, that's, that's the world we live in. And we can shake our fist at it and be mad about it. Or we can just go create a better model and educate people as best we can out of seeing the big corporations as always having their best interest in mind and, and recognize that, you know, sometimes they're trying to help and other times they're just out to serve the almighty dollar. And um, so I don't think it all started for nefarious reasons. I think there's good that was intended behind it. But, you know, you get, there's enough people of conscience that would walk away from it, but there's enough people who be like, screw it. 
I can make a ton of money doing this. I don't care what it does. Like, I'm going to be dead in 100 years anyway. And right. so that's the way they operate. And to think those people don't exist on the planet is kind of naive. Very um, naive. I agree. I definitely agree. Now, a few minutes ago, you mentioned that you're a Christian mm -hmm. and you have a master of divinity. Mm -hmm. Do you incorporate a spiritual component component into your personal health and fitness? And if so, you also encourage your clients to do the same? Into fitness specifically, not much. I sometimes have Christian songs playing while I exercise or, or walk or whatever, but and so not in particular in fitness. And as far as clients go, it, it, it most people are aware of, you know, kind of my background. And um, so, but it's definitely not something we lead with or wrap into a program as a requirement. It is, it's a possibly a depth that I can go to with somebody who believes similar to me that they appreciate. But, um, you know, I get people who are not Christians in my schedule and I, and, um, people of different faith traditions that have found benefit from the breadth of what we can do. And that becomes, that's the, my faith has not been a sticking point to that. So no, it doesn't need to, we don't promote it necessarily or, um, but the flip side is we don't shy away from it. If, if, if somebody is interested to talk about that, then absolutely. And if, um, at some point, I think it, there's certain parts about how we see the world that if we don't have good answers to them, there's going to be this constant cognitive dissonance or the purpose questions or the why questions about our existence. And if those are a challenge and what the heck does this all mean anyway? And why should I do these push-ups? And who cares if I eat this way? And I'm never going to get through to this person. And what would matter if I did? And it, it, then there's sometimes there are higher level meaning of life questions that are worth asking. And, and never are we pushy about it. But one thing I, I am and I get paid to do is to be a professional question asker, to get really curious about people and what drives them and what um, roadblocks might be in their way. And sometimes it's just a false narrative they have believed about the world. And when you can replace that narrative with a bit of truth, it opens up a windfall of, wow, I never thought about it that way. And you know, not everybody agrees with me on everything, obviously, but it's it's a a point of um, introspection or interest for some people that that's for some clients it's central to the way they operate, and other people it's just part of who I am that they don't interact with much. Now, for you, is it important to have that balance with your spirituality as well as your your, your personal health is in, along with your career? Meaning if, if if you're lacking in one area, does it affect the other areas? Do you try to maintain that balance of, of all three or maybe there's a fourth? Yeah, there, I mean, I, one, one operating philosophy I have, like there's there's about four things in life that you really every human really ought to have a, a pretty good developed um philosophy on so to me the first is your worldview like where do we come from where do we go after we die who sets the standards for morals and ethics what is the nature of man like we all ought to have at least good answers to that then there's health and relationships and finances and if you don't have you can get really good at knowing sports or understanding makeup or whatever interest is you know fascinating to you uh, but if you don't know quite a bit and haven't spent time hard time thinking about those four things where do we come from how do I take care of my finances? How do I manage my health? And how do I get better and better at relating to other humans? You're going to live a less fulfilling life, I think. So those are kind of some of the areas that when I think about trying to be a well-rounded whole human, 
I think, in terms of those four things. And so, yes, faith and, and, and health are obviously connected. And then faith gives me a sense of purpose. It, it makes me feel like there's a, there's a you know, the parable of the talents is meaningful to me. Like Jesus said, hey, you know, you, I gave you gifts. I want you to do something with it. It wasn't bury it in the ground and then give it back to me when you die. It was go see what kind of return you can make with what you've been given. And so I kind of, that's an operating philosophy that I have of, I've got certain amount of, of gifts and skills that I can bring to this world. And um, so uh, the business model we chose, we, we could have gone mass market, you know, inexpensive, try to get a thousand people, 10,000 people at a time. And I realized I would rather go the opposite. I'd rather go have people pay me more and have much more depth and attention I can give to one person. Cause I, I figure my return on that is actually going to be significantly higher through the people that are who've genuinely transformed back to our first part of our conversation. That's what got me. I want to see how, how do we help people transform and just become such refreshing beacons of light and hope and examples of health and so on. I want to, I want to be about that business. And my, my guess is at the end of this, it's going to be my, my return is going to be that much more magnified because the depth of the people and who they influence. And so, yeah, does, does faith tie into that? Of course it does. That's, that's part of how I, what fuels me is like, how do I make the biggest impact I can for the most good? And it, to be able to, to look at my schedule for the day and be like, man, I get to talk to these people. Like that, that's, it's fun because I know their, their life is in some way. We're going to, we don't do fluffy stuff. We ask real substantive questions, but we do it with a framework of psychological safety. Like there is nothing you can do to make me dislike you. Fat chance, not possible. You cannot do it. And so you're not going to be reprimanded. You're not going to disappoint me. We're just going to get really curious about what you're doing, what's next and what other way you can direct yourself and see if we can make tomorrow a little better than today. And so that's, yeah, that's how we coach and that's how we think about um, bringing purpose to somebody's life. So, man, that's awesome, man. You, uh, you and your wife, you guys have uh, some, some amazing things going on uh, <laughs> with your business and helping people, man. I really love what you're, what you're talking about here. Um, just to shift gears a bit, uh, going back to that blog of mm-hmm. yours and in, in regards to uh, what has been going on in, in the world for the last 18 plus months uh, with this illness that uh, has, has affected everyone in, in one way or another. Right. Right. You had a very, very interesting uh, article on there. 18 reasons why you won't get the jab, you know, mm-hmm. the cut, if you will. Um, man, let's I want your thoughts on that. Uh, you know, what do you think? um what do you think it's all about? And uh, just just let our listeners know why you won't or why you refuse to uh, to actually get the shot. Oh man, uh, we probably need two more hours for all that. But <laughs> let, me see yeah. can, let me see if I can get a quick version of that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, my health, my um, line of work is health, and people pay me well to look out for their best interest and to be on top of continually learning about whatever's coming out and whatever major topics are relevant to helping them heal. And so there has not been a more hot button relevant topic than this whole situation that's going around the globe. Like there's this is the biggest one. And so I'm not, I'm not willing to shirk that and be like, Oh, I'm not going to have an opinion. Like I, I owe it to the people who pay me to take care of them, to shepherd them, to do my best to give my informed thoughts on it. And so I have been a, endless student of what's going on and trying to keep up with the latest um, developments as related to shots and all sorts of other um, 
fun topics going around the globe. So <laughs> originally, I, I, the whole narrative made sense to me through the lens of this is all about inoculating people. It's about pushing an agenda to get everyone on board with adults having to do this and boosters and then just this, like, could there be a bigger market? No. That, that, and so all of the news lined up from the censorship to the the way we did testing to the way that we only allowed one narrative and there's no treatments for this. And like, there's so many parts that just, yeah, because they, it, they're just aiming toward that goal. And is that the more I thought about it, it's like, well, does, does pharma really want to take over the world and govern everything? Like that at some point that that's, that was the splinter in my mind. That like there's something else happening here. And then I, I came across the, the world economic forum and I did a deeper study on some of the, the people who are involved with that and realizing, Oh, there, here it all is. The, the entire agenda is laid out in front of us. There's, we don't even need to throw out the conspiracy theory term anymore. It's just like, yeah. this is the agenda. They, they've made it public. They've, they're telling us exactly what they're trying to do. And all of the pieces fit in place. Like they, it, it can, makes complete sense from the perspective of an Orwellian world takeover like this. It, it, whether it is um, China, whether it's Mr. Gates, I don't know um, a, all of who's behind it, but it's pretty obvious what they're trying to do right now. And um, you have to just willfully not look at what's happening and just have this staunch, stubborn belief that th that could not be possible. Like, there's no way I don't believe it. And just la la la, not listening to actually still believe that there's not something really evil afoot here. Um, so, you know, I, I still constantly that blog post continues to get comments from people who are just like, no, it can't be, it's not true. And you're just crazy. And so many people have that uh, mindset. So yeah. Many. It's, it's it, and it's, it's strange. It's like trying to wake people up from a cult or they're in some sort of yeah. trance. Like they've, I've believed my whole life this way. Don't you dare take my binky away from me. Like can't exactly. be true. And right. at, at some point they have to realize I have faith in government or in particular persons i have faith in this story that's well that's called religion and if if nothing to the contrary can make you open your eyes and think differently if no matter no volume of evidence then you are kind of part of a cult you have you have a, a way of seeing what's happening through a nope i don't believe it i refuse to hear it um and so i, I can certainly paint a lot more color detail behind that but why i'm not getting it because it's rushed it makes no sense. No the sense. darn thing doesn't stop transmission or infection. They're right. not taking into account that pregnant women shouldn't be getting this. They're not taking into account people who have already had COVID like me. They're not taking into account so many variables of people who have gotten tremendously sick that, you know, you can't just sweep all that under the rug. One size fits all. We're going to do this differently than we've ever done it. The whole world's going to be part of this experiment. Uh, I think I'll pass. I'm going to go with the hard no on that. I'll be in the control group. Thanks. Thank there you go. Yeah. That, so anyway, that's some of my thoughts on that, but. Um, Not FDA approved, right? No, emergency use, which you know how, what's required to get emergency use. And then you rewind it like, oh, all of the news makes sense. Got it. That, that So not approved. It's just emergency use. And they're trying to rush it through into the approval process now. And the boosters is what's making me nervous. Like that's where if you've got, oh, if you get everybody in line and they'll do this and then like i i imagine that they're, they're they've already lost at least half the population. like 41 percent, i think of americans have succumbed and gotten it or have been fully you know approved by what they think is right um so um 
roughly half of the world population is going to say no in different countries, different amounts, but roughly half of us. So the next step is look out, brace yourself for massive coercion and um, not even having a choice. Like being, I, I know of people who were just cornered and injected, like didn't even know it was coming. Like, bam. Wow, really? Yeah, different, not in the US so far, but okay. that's, that's happening. If you don't oh. think there's a level of evil with this, wake up. Um, grow some balls and stand up and start fighting for freedom because this is coming. And if you don't, there's not a, there's no do over here. We can like, you know, can we just go back and not do this? Not there isn't one. Yeah. Right, right. So do you think it's the mark of the beast? You know, I don't know. I don't know that I can go there and say that this is, I, it's certainly biblically curious what's happening right now. I it is that much. Is. I've definitely but, wondered about it. Yeah. But you know, we, in a thousand AD, they thought that was it. And then, yeah. How many different times through history we've been like, oh, this yeah. is the way. Well, th yeah. this one has the markings of a global takeover. Um, but I also think they're freaking desperate to keep pushing. Like so many people, the traffic is one direction right now. Nobody's being like, you know, I don't, I've never really trusted Fauci, but I think I'm going to. Like, I think now I believe. No, but that's not happening. The traffic is all like, you snake. I am, I am, I know what you're doing now. And it's just an exodus from, and I think one of their biggest fears is that it's going to wreck and unravel the entire industry. And that's mm -hmm. why so many people are like, don't, this can't be, no, that's not really what's happening. It's not, I promise. No, that's, that's what's happening. And so for those people, what do, what do people like yourself and, and, and me included, what do we do to convince those people that, Hey, this is, this is evil. This is not right. What they're doing. Or is it just, are we just at a place where, I mean, maybe half the population just won't get it. They will continue to have faith in big farm in the government. I mean, is, is there anything we can do? I mean, we do our best to bring awareness, but what, what is it? Is there anything we can do? Cause people need to know. Yeah. I mean, I, I interviewed a guy, Dr. Peter McCullough a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. and He's in, you know, he, he, he's, he's not for the vet for it, you know? And he, he told me based off the data he's seen it's between five to 6,000 people that have died, perfectly healthy people that have received the VEX, they've, mm -hmm. they, they've passed mm -hmm. due to that. And I, those numbers are, you know, I would assume they're greater now and will continue to become greater as time goes on. What, what can we do? Oh, well, there's a lot anyone can do. What any individual person can do without having a conversation with you. I don't know the answer to that, but let me, let me take some stabs at some ideas, depending on what audience you have, what, what, connections or what you have the stomach for. Um, one thing I found after writing my blog post is it, surprisingly to me, actually, the feedback has been almost exclusively positive. I definitely have my trolls and people that take shots at me, but um, PR, people are hungry for the truth. So you don't need to be rude with it. You just need to speak it. You need to do it with a level of confidence where somebody goes, whoa, mm -hmm. there's a conviction there. And it doesn't need to be shake your fist at the man. It just needs to be, have you seen this? Does anybody ask this question yet? Because this makes no sense to me. So mm -hmm. some of it is being willing to stand in the fire a little bit being willing to be a little uncomfortable and say, uh-uh, like this, something smells really funny here. Right. So where can you do that? Can you do that on video? Can you do that in conversation? Can you do that at your church? Can you do that, write a blog like I did? Where, how can you do that? Um, on the flip side is recognizing that you're not going to win them all. Like So as quickly as possible, move on from the people who are just there to argue and who have okay. no 0% chance that you perceive they're actually interested in a real dialogue. They just want to take shots at you. Um, Sometimes I look at what they have to say. I'm like, how oh, really? What other way are you possibly justifying? Like, I'd love to understand what's going on in your head just so I can try to talk to it. But I'm, I'm currently writing an article that's my best attempt to say, 
here's how to here's how I would attempt to reason with someone who is open minded. And I'm, I'm, what I'm laying out is some of the, what I've learned about human psychology. Like, here's what's going on behind this. So here's the undercurrent of how humans work. And then behind that to say, here's what it here's what makes sense to me. And here's the things that if you could show me that this was actually going on or that we would start to handle it this way, I'd say, okay, I, I now I don't think there's a massive conspiracy going on here. However, I would also like to know from you, what would it take? Like, what would you have to see? What would finally convince you that, you know what, sure. something yeah. is up here? Like, right. tell, please give me that list of what would you, what evidence would you like to see? What what could I bring to light that make make you go seriously? That's what's happened. Okay, I get it now. Like, I would love to know what that's on that list for people. And some people just they have they, part of what's tough for humans. And when you're if you're trying to reason with somebody, don't don't forget to miss this. If you've been half listening and you like this, lean forward. Right. Part of what's important for humans is that we are tribal. We cannot not be in relationships. We have a biological imperative to relate to other humans. If they are the worst punishment in the world that we can think of is not the crucifixion, it's solitary confinement. Mm-hmm. And so if we perceive that by changing our mindset about what's going on in the world is going to separate us from the tribe, from the people that we know and from who is meaningful to us, we will do all sorts of irrational things to stay a part of that tribe and to not be disconnected from the people where we feel like we belong. And the challenge for those of us who are, I would say, awake and doing our best to figure out what the heck is going on if we do not demonstrate a level of welcome and of it's safe here and that we love you and we are excited to have you and welcome to this um, freedom movement, then we haven't given them any alternative of anywhere better to go. We've just given them crap. Now I lost all my friends and these people are jerks. Like I don't want to hang out. Like, so it's safer just to stay with what they know. If, but if we demonstrate a love and a compassion and a level headedness and a professionalism and, 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 whatever's meaningful to human hearts, it's magnetic. There's like, oh, I actually want to be identified with that. Yes. These people aren't crazy anymore. They actually yeah. are thinking clearly, and I've never seen the puzzle put together this well. And now I'm inspired to go wake up some more of my friends. That's, to me, if we, if we skip that part of how humans work and we just try to come at them with logic or just try to come at them with this, what did you know the CDC said this? Like, and we don't invite them into a, movement that feels like they're coming home mm. we, we're losing a movement that feels like they're coming home man that's i like that a whole lot that's good <laughs> that's good that's good well, another question for you on, on your blog you had an article how to over- overcome the pressure to get the jab mm-hmm. uh, specifically dealing with an employer mm-hmm. school mandates i have mm-hmm. a good friend who's employed by a major university in my mm-hmm. area. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, been a topic topic of conversation between him and I mm-hmm. um, understand why and you, you break it down in three parts, right? Understand, understand why the vaccine mandates and are illegal, mm-hmm. have a practical way to converse about your decision to opt out, feel confident in your decision and feel like you can speak up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, people can go check out the article and kind of get a more detailed Try not to waste a word version of this, but um, essentially, yeah, the, what most people don't know because the government or governments around the world are so flamboyant in their promotion of these shots is that they're illegal. This is an emergency use product. The Nuremberg Code that all the Western nations signed on and said, this is law now, 
says you cannot coerce anyone to take something that is experimental. We cannot be forced to be part of a medical experiment. So that's just an illegal mandate. The schools are going to lose that battle. There's that case they got uh, thrown out yesterday from a Texas hospital where they're trying to force the employees to get vaccinated. So that one's on its way to the Texas Supreme Court. I saw that, yeah. It, that's, there's no way that, that that judge needs to grow a spine or be fired. Yes. She, some, we need, it's, it's funny, I've, I've thought about, you know, what happened with the election and the Supreme Court being like, nah, we're not going to hear any cases. And, and this one yesterday, like, grow up, like, this is your job. And maybe the result would be exactly the same, but you can't just dismiss it and not look at the, like, holy cow. Um, I don't know where it would have gone on any of these, but you can't just be like, nah. I don't want like I don't want to be the judge. They're, grow up. That's their job. And so, um, so knowing that it's illegal should give you enough of a, a spine to say, no, I'm going to stand up for myself here. You can't. <laughs> the law is on my side. Fantastic. Okay. Um, but practically speaking, to some people, just don't want it. It's so uncomfortable. They spend so much time working up, and the anxiety is like right at the throat, and they can barely function. Um, you can just be witty sometimes about it, or you can be. Um, deflective. You can, somebody says, you know, have you gotten the shot? Wow. Do you want to know how much I weigh and how old I am too? Like, <laughs> I like like, that's kind of a personal question. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's really none of your business. Like, right. or you could say, oh, that's, that's between me and my doctor. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah, like, but simple thing for, for any student, professor, employee, just ask what exemptions are available. Okay. Right. Just ask like what, what exemptions, I, if, if someone needs to opt out, what exemptions are available? How do I get one of those? Right. And you just go, you, that's the end of the conversation. You just go fill out the paper and have a doctor or somebody sign it and you're done. Right. It doesn't need to be this. Oh my gosh, I'm going to have this battle. That's going to be a, you know, a, a viral video or I'm the, like, no, it, you're just having a conversation with somebody asking for the exemption. Um, there, there's exemptions you can get. So I just have the client with that recently. Um, and then, you know, if it, if it comes to, um, Reasoning with a medical professional, one, you could just point out so many doctors don't even know the vaccine adverse events reporting system, also called VAERS, even exists. Like, did you know there's been, and, the, and VAERS is woefully underestimating the number of um, injuries and deaths that have resulted. Yeah. Harvard, uh, Harvard assesses it's about 1% of all of them get reported. Okay, well, add two zeros to whatever number we have, and what does that look like? Um, so sometimes you just, you know, if, if your doctor is, you can't, come here unless you get that well then you're fired like yeah, there's i'll find a different doctor there's somebody there's plenty of doctors who will champion your right to informed consent and say no you don't especially if you've had it already it makes no medical sense whatsoever to get inoculated against something you've already had your body's already figured out how to beat it you're not going to improve that um so whether it's just pointing out you know the the simple things on the insert that say oh this just stops cove 19 not sars cove 2 <laughs> the sleight of hand is there. It's like, well, it doesn't stop transmission or infection, but it might lower your symptoms. Like, well, so does some supplements I could take. Like, that's not moving the needle. So um, if, if the, the, the unanswerable question, though, if you really need it for your doctor is to say, doc, you know, I kind of heard some reports of people having injuries or deaths resulting from this. So how do we know that my body wouldn't have a reaction like that? And because this person's just suggested that you get injected, they're going to have a response to that. So don't go into it like, crap, it didn't work. No. As soon as they say, oh, it's one in a million, that's never going to happen. You just say, yeah, I know. I get it, doc. But how do we know? Is there a test I can take that tells me that my body won't have one of those reactions? There is not one. None. Right. So it's just roll the dice. Hope it works out for you. And that you're not one of the kids who are having heart problems now because you're 
injecting yourself with something you never needed to begin with for something that couldn't kill you if it tried. So um, it's a 99.997% death rate for kids. I'm yeah. sorry, or survival rate, like survival rate. a 0.003% fatality rate. That must have been really sick kids. Like the, the, I, I got it. My wife got it. My parents got it. All four of us got it at the same time in this house with a two, uh, well, a six week old, my fifth child. My kids oh. couldn't even be bothered to produce a sniffle. And we're all four of us are walking around the house with it. Like the kids just like, it's almost like they can't get other ones. They can get, but this isn't one of them. So um, yeah, just point out some of those inconvenient elements of it and ask the unanswerable question, use some humor if you need to, or deflect, but what it just, it's illegal. If you don't have the stomach for the fight, get a waiver. So anyway, that'd be probably more thoughts than you needed. (laughs) Hey man, this is perfect, man. Thank you so much. And I I definitely want to thank you for taking time out your day to be on the hidden gateway podcast today, man. One thing that I, always ask people to do Christian before they, before they end is uh, leave our listeners with what I like to call a token of love, something they can take with them going forward. Uh, what, what do you have for our listeners? A token of love. Ooh, with no thought, you get my top of mind thought. Eight. Let's see. Um, I guess I would say um, you're worth it. Whatever that thing is in front of you. Um <laughs> You know, like that, that. The, the battle that you have to fight or the work that you're going to have to do to get your health back, to fight for your family, to fight for your employees, or um, at the end of the day, that the, some of the best investments you can make are in yourself. Mm-hmm. And don't think for a second that you are not worth it because you are. And when you realize that there's never going to be another you, and the more you bring the best you to the world, the better the place the world gets. So um, you're worth that workout. You're worth going to bed on time. You're worth drinking that water. And you are a valued member of this earth. And we are glad to have you. And go see what you can make with all you've been given. Excellent. Thank you so much for that. That is great, man. That is great. I'm sure that'll help many, many people. Thank you so much. So uh, tell our listeners where they can find you, website, social media, et cetera. Yeah, so you can find us at truewholehuman.com. That's our main website where we talk about our coaching program. Our our social media links are in the footer. Uh, You can also find my blog at deconstructingconventional.com. Those websites link back and forth to each other. But yeah, that's where I've just put a lot of my musings on all things health. And it is a hodgepodge of a whole bunch of different topics. But a lot of it's really how do we understand who we are? and How do we know ourselves in in such a way that we can bring the best of who we are to what we have to do? So, yeah, those two places you can find me, trueholehuman.com and deconstructingconventional.com. Perfect. And to the listeners of the Hidden Gateway podcast, we really hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, remember to stay connected with us through hiddengateway.com. You can also join the discussion on Twitter as well as Instagram. And if you would like to speak with us, please email us at support at thehiddengateway.com. Uh, we definitely want to thank you for pushing your mindset towards a better reality. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. And this will conclude this week's episode. Until next time, stay positive, stay questioning, be loved, and be free. And Christian Elliott, again, I want to thank you for appearing on here, sending you lots of love and light, continue to be a warrior for truth, and continue to step into your greatness with all you do, my friend. The Hidden Gateway, out.